The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org thrive. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everybody. Welcome back for another episode of Messages of Hope. My guest today is a rock star. (laughs) but you might not know him for that reason. We're going to learn more about him as we go along. He has written a book that I endorsed, and that's the purpose, but we'll let him tell you all about that as this conversation unfolds. I want to welcome to the show Moshe Gerst. Welcome, Moshe. Thank you so much, Suzanne. It's a pleasure to be here. I appreciate this. Well, it's a pleasure to have you on. When you reached out to me about your book, I hadn't heard of you, and uh, I, I always love how spirit brings us together with people that have beautiful messages to share. So the first thing I did was checked out your TED Talk. I think that's a great place to start to introduce you to everybody. How did you end up doing a TED Talk? I mean, the TED Talk came out of a result. You know, I released a book a couple of years ago called It's All the Same to Me. And that book was uh, well-received by by those who got to get a chance to pick up the book and read it. It was uh, endorsed very well. Uh, it became a Wall Street Journal bestseller. Uh, and along the way, uh, one of the organizers from TED in uh, in Georgia reached out to me and said, I think your message and your vision is in alignment with, with our world of what we're trying to share at this particular TED event. Uh, and not too much long after that, I ended up on a TED stage. I think that's how I got there. Uh, but the vision behind the talk itself uh, actually ends up being a catalyst uh, in many ways, for the new book that I had written, uh, The Three Conditions, because that TED Talk is called The Two Conditions to Unconditional Happiness. And what it's really about is a realignment with the truth of who we are, you know, higher self, soul, consciousness, and uh, an, an alignment and rapport with what you might call, uh, you know, a super consciousness or the, the, the loving force of the universe, what we've been calling God for, you know, the last few thousand years. And when you find the goodness with itself and the goodness within the world you're in. So the happiness or the joy, the love that we're looking for out there, uh, we tap into the unconditional experience of that within because you now need less from the outer world because you have found the wellspring within. I love that. Beautifully stated. And what what snagged me and what you said there, besides goosebumps right from the start, everybody who watches this program knows that I have multiple goosebump moments and I hope they do too, is how you said, you know, we've been calling this fourth God for thousands of years, but isn't it funny how now that we, we kind of, we use the word, but we stay away from it because, well, I, 
I have my own reasons. I'd like to hear your reasons why you feel that we we have changed the vocabulary a little. Yeah, I think uh, there's actually th there's a handful of reasons why we've changed the vocabulary. But if we just uh, zoom in on one point, the word God has been associated and depicted with certain images and ideas that are very human-made by definition. Right? There's a lot of human constructs that we attribute to God, which don't have anything to do with what God, what source energy, what the you know creative force of this reality is right behind that. And so we get lost in very often in language. Like you said, you know, before we got on this call, you said, you know, language is really important to you. And language is so important because you can either miss or make a relationship based on assumptions and expectations we have based on what a word might mean. So there's a great story of a, a rabbi who lived in New York the the Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Menachem Mendel Shneerson, uh, an atheist once came up to him and they were having a conversation. He said, Rabbi, I don't believe in God. And uh, this rabbi looked at him and said, yeah, me neither. So, so the atheist said, what do you mean? Look at you. You have a long white beard and you're a rabbi. <laughs> and he said, yeah, but the God you don't believe in, I don't believe in either. Mm. Right? And it's that idea of really honing in on the fact that we have bastardized what the word itself is pointing to. And at the end of the day, it's just a word pointing to something much bigger than what the word is. Uh, so by using other language, we allow ourselves to tap into the experience of what was always there, uh, but that we've been you know, lost in. Uh, but for, for many, and myself included, by the way, I don't have a negative relationship with the word God itself. So I use I use the word God when referencing uh, right. you know, the, uh, the, uh, the all-knowing, all-powerful, indivisible essence of reality. Yeah. yeah, yeah, beautiful. You, I know that you're a student scholar of the Kabbalah, the, that is the mystical arm of Judaism, correct? That's right. Yeah, and what is the Kabbalistic version of God? Is it what you've just said? Uh, yeah, that and more. <laughs> I mean, the, what, what Kabbalah, trans, the actual word itself, what it means is to receive. Kabbalah means, uh, like in, if you go in, in Israel today and you speak Hebrew and they give you a Kabbalah, they're giving you a receipt. <laughs> That's what a Kabbalah is. Oh, no kidding. An actual everyday word. Yes, an everyday word. And when someone says, do you want the Kabbalah, it means do you want the receipt. Right? It's something you're you're receiving, something where it's showing that there, something had been, there was a transfer. there. And so the word Kabbalah is really pointing to the transference or the receiving of divine energy or divine wisdom. Uh, that goes beyond uh, just human intellect, but uh, tapping into something that is uh, super rational. And so all the mystical teachings of Kabbalah are, are coming from and sourcing from that place. So that's one of the main reasons why it's called Kabbalah. Maybe that's why the goosebumps haven't stopped since you started talking. And I'm hoping that everybody received some kind of transmission during this show today. It's, it's never happened like this before. So pay attention, everybody. Are you feeling anything higher? Yeah. Okay. So I mentioned you're a rock star. I don't want to keep people waiting. You don't look like a rock star. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, certainly not now. You're referencing uh, my past life in the same body. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I spent... Uh, the seven years uh, from 13 to 20, my entire teenage years, I, I was the singer and songwriter for a rock band. Uh, and I just, I love music. I've always loved music, but there was a point when I was very young where 
um, there was a song I was listening to and it got to this uh, guitar solo moment. It's just, it was just a couple seconds, but I felt this like electricity go through my body and this knowing of that's what I need to do now. That's where I need to focus all my energy. Uh, and then I did, I did, I picked up a guitar by picked up. I mean, I begged my parents for a guitar and eventually I, I, they acquiesced, started playing, really fell in love with writing, singing, put a band together. And at some point we were assigned to a record label, touring the country, the radio, MTV. I mean, the whole nine yards really, yeah. really involved in that. This intrigues me. You started this at 13, you did it till you were 20. At what point did you, how old were you when you got the record label and started touring? Yeah, record deal uh, was at 18. Okay. Uh, we were playing lots of shows in LA locally uh, wow. as we were building up our you know, fan base, if you will. Uh, it was before social media. MySpace, if you can remember that, was the oh. was the go-to place you went to at the time. And we had a lot of followers. I think at the time it was something, I don't know, 30, 40,000 followers. And we had hundreds of thousands of plays on our on our player. They had a little player on MySpace. And that was a big deal, uh, which helped secure a record deal once we were there. Uh, but our, the first concert we did was at 13 on the Sunset Strip at the Whiskey Girl Go. That, oh. was, that was beautiful. We did that, did that for a long time. And, and the reason I bring it up is because you are a prime example of someone who followed their heart and, and gave this up, much to the dismay of your fellow band members, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, and they, if they're listening, I still want to speak to you. I've, I've been trying to reach out to a lot of them for years, but that was 17 years ago. I'm still not in great rapport, unfortunately. Uh, when I was 20, I made the decision to walk away from the band. Uh, due to a number of circumstances, but uh, at some point somebody had asked me uh, a question that really changed my life. They, they asked me, how long do you plan on doing this work? And I said, doing what? This was at a record release party, right? It was like we were at the party where we were celebrating the album coming out. I said, do what? And he said, play music. But that's a funny question to ask a musician. Uh, and I said, I don't know, I guess until we're successful, and then we'll settle down. So he said, when's that? said, when's what? And he said, when's successful? And at the time, I told him to grab another drink and, you know, let me enjoy my night. But I woke up the next morning, and that question really sat inside of me and continued to sit with me uh, days and weeks afterwards while I tried to ponder, what does that look like? What does success really look like over here and what I'm trying to do? Um, you know, you said before, I followed my heart when I walked away, but I was following my heart with the music as well. I mean, I was, I was, I was raised by the way in a home that very much so fostered the idea of listening to your inner voice, following your intuition, knowing that you're guided. And so those ideas were very much part of my psyche and always were. So when, when the question continued to burn in my mind, I followed that as well. And what it ultimately led me to was the recognition as I was looking at all these other successful rock bands and people in that world and that scene that you can be successful at what you do and still fail at life that there are people who have a lot of the external satisfaction and gratification of what life might present to you as success but they were living very challenging inner lives their personal lives were often wrought with sadness anxiety depression a lot of them uh, either attempted to 
for God and, and taking their own life. There, there was a lot of sadness and, and darkness that I found over there. And I didn't know what to make of it. I just devoted seven years of my life to making this happen. And my conclusion at the end of a few months of trying to figure out what success looked like was, you know, does success look like me not being here anymore? Eh. And uh, that that set me on a journey. Uh, and being raised in a in a Jewish home, you know, my my mecca is Jerusalem, and uh, I went there to go figure out, you know, what is life about, what is purpose, what's going on underneath the surface of this world. And I fell in love uh, with the teachings of Torah, uh, which is uh, the source text for Judaism. And wow, just a a, a mind blowing, beautiful, synchronistic. Uh, viewpoint that was also blessed to have great teachers because I know a lot of people, you know, try to find purpose and meaning in uh, in their respective religions and it doesn't necessarily come easy because if you don't have someone to help open up those doors uh, you might not see anything beyond some archaic concepts and ideas and maybe they don't feel relevant or seem relevant, uh, but I was blessed with uh, a lot of great guides and mentors in the process that really opened up doors that fell in love with what I was saying Okay, so how did you end up writing a book about happiness? And then we'll eventually get to your most recent book. Oh, sure. So not to, uh, to undo what I just said about falling in love with the Torah, but about six years in to that journey, I woke up and realized, you know, I then, at that point, I, I had met the love of my life. wife. I think I had one, two children at that point. And uh, I have a young family and I'm learning these beautiful ideas and at that point I'm already teaching a little bit and it didn't it didn't happen overnight but I did realize it in a single moment that I was unhappy in a lot of areas of my life and I, I couldn't figure out why it felt almost almost as if I I was closer to God and to my own inner self when I was in the band and yet I had just spent these years devoted to higher education uh, understanding purpose and meaning, having the family that I wanted to have. And here I am feeling anxious, overwhelmed by my children, overwhelmed by the finances, overwhelmed by my need to show up and, you know, be this philosophical person that has all these answers. You know, you show up and when you have, um, when you have spent that much time learning anything, people expect you to know the answer to all the questions. So, um, I had a lot of pressure that I was putting on myself and I was completely unaware that all those things were happening. So when you're being overwhelmed by those things eventually led to stress and that stress led to anger. And then I was overwhelmed by anger and then I was feeling sadness, depression, and shame. And all of these wounds were coming up, childhood wounds. And I, it was, it was a hard time. It was a good couple of years where on the surface, if you had come to one of my classes, you might have been dazzled by intellectual wizardry. But then I could come home and crash on the couch and, you know, feeling totally empty. And I didn't understand it. So I went at some point, I, I had realized that I needed to seek help and figure out, well, what's what's going wrong? Where's the missing link? Because if you have this beautiful wisdom that seems to be pointing to concepts of happiness and inner peace and joy, but I'm not experiencing that. And I know firsthand what it's like because I spent seven years following my bliss and following that journey of what what music looked like. Um, how do we how do we square that circle? And, and one of my mentors sat down with me and 
said, look, you did something really amazing, something really beautiful without all this wisdom and ideas. Uh, but along the way, you stepped away from your inner self. And now your job is to turn around, go find that place, really, you know, contextualize who you are within the world that you have found inspiring. That, and that, in that journey, that's when I really started looking more to the world of Kabbalah and Hasidus. Uh, Hasidus is hard to pronounce in English because that was a hint in the beginning. So I think I will call it Hasidus. Uh, that, that's the side of Torah that specifically focused on uh, consciousness, the psychology of a human being, the psycho-spiritual side of reality, the energetic side of reality, and how all the pieces come together. You know, this is what I find fascinating, speaking of languages, uh, as I've studied spirituality and different religions and science, they're all pointing to the same thing, only it depends on what word we choose. The, you're talking about Hasidus and the Torah, and then the second you say consciousness, I say, oh, I understand that. So it, it all got you to filling this emptiness, though, right? Yes, and, and, and that's exactly right. At the same time, somebody had handed me a, uh, a new age spirituality book. At that point in my life, again, seven years of being in a rock band, I wasn't a big reader. That wasn't my thing. And then I went head first into this, you know, into the Talmud and the Torah, all these books that were written thousands of years ago and their commentaries. Uh, and I hadn't actually looked at anything written in my time period ever, really never gave it that thought. And that's just how the, the life unfolded for me. And I was probably around 28 at the time. And what I was saying was the language written 20 years ago, describing the things that were, I was saying, in 2000 years ago, they were just talking about the same thing in their own way. And that put me on a path where I wanted to see, well, how else do we describe those same inner experiences that are universal, that all human beings are working through? And whether that's through the lens of psychology or new age spirituality, or whether that's through self-help or personal transformation, um, being just picking it up in you know, how people look at marketing, you know, the mind works a certain way and the body works a certain way and it's the human condition. And so when I found the confluence of ideas, I was enamored and inspired uh, by our ability to speak about these universal concepts, to, to be able to tap into that higher consciousness in a way where we can all live a life that we want to live, uh, to be more in alignment with that space. Eventually that led me to an inner calling, if you will, a calling, a, a movement, a stirring inside that said, well, you've spent all this time learning the, the depth of what Torah has to offer. You then went on an inner journey to make sure that those ideas were not just ideas in the mind, but were able to be integrated in the heart. And you've gone through your own personal transformation. And now you've seen uh, a body of work that gives language to ancient ideas. I feel like we need to share this with you know, more than just a handful of people that I was sitting with in, uh, in Jerusalem. So I wrote, uh, this book, it's all the same to me, uh, which I actually, I wrote that book in February, in March of 2021, right? Is that no 2020? So right when COVID started right in the beginning. And that to me, that felt like one of the more important ideas to focus on, which the book is about sameness and by sameness, I mean, connecting to that underlying force of reality, being able to let go of control. Uh, being able to get beyond our ego in that space and touch upon the unity and sameness that we all share within each other, that we all share in this universe. That's a beautiful it, title, and now it makes sense. It's all the same to me. What's the same in me is the same in you and the same in everyone. Find that 
and you found the fullness, right? That's right. That's exactly right. I could have called the book It's All God to Me, but I don't know if people would have bought it. <laughs> wow. More goosebumps. I said, yeah. And how did people resonate with that? Yeah. So, I mean, I feel really blessed that people resonate with that. Uh, I, again, I was trying to share Torah ideas in a way that in a universal language, because we're, I, I, it doesn't matter to me where our starting point is from. We're all going to the same place. And so our human experience might be different and we're from different countries and we speak different languages and we're different religions. We're all coming from different places, but moving in the same direction because the truth is beyond our bodies, right? We really all come from the same place and go to the same place. And we're just differentiated in this, you know, small gap of time. And it's really small on the eternal clock, right? It's a snap. And the opportunity to share that with the world where, you know, I found that something very interesting that people who resonate with Judaism in general, they were saying, oh, I didn't know that existed in Judaism. And people who were outside the, the Torah or Judaism, yet, maybe they would have never looked inside. They, oh, I also didn't know that was there. Meaning there was a lot of misnomers around certain thoughts that, that are universal. And you know, they were showing up there uh, so that everybody can kind of come in and have that experience. And for me, that's the most bad blind thing is if we're all growing together, moving back into that place, into that space, that's how we elevate the world, that's how we elevate consciousness. That's it. The sameness. Finding the sameness. That's what will change the world. Oh. I watched an, an interview. I, I had another question and it, and it absolutely was blanked out. And so I know the guides really want me to go here and I wasn't going to go there. But here we go, because I still can't remember what the other question I was about to ask was, but this one is just right in the forefront of my mind. We're trying to find the sameness, yet I watched another interview with you, and you had the yarmulke on. And how do I, how do I say it right? Yarm yeah, you said it right. Yarmulke, okay. keeper. Yeah. And you're wearing one now, but we yeah. can't see it. But during that interview, Moshe, that's all I could see. And because I was thinking, my guests will come on the show and they'll think it's a show about Judaism. And my guides kept saying, this is the perfect opportunity to see beyond the physical senses and find the sameness. And yet you still wear that. So I really would just like to address that, how you're, you're both and, right? You're honoring one tradition, yet you see the sameness, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think the... If I'm understanding and uh, getting your question right, uh, maybe I can phrase it as: if we're if we're all the same, and and yet at the same time you're doing something that makes you look different, how do we live in those two realities? Yeah. And for me, uh, my perspective has always been that no matter where you are and where you're from, we honor the world that we find ourselves in. Right. We honor this reality, and there's a a level of depth and truth to that when you show up in a certain family, in a certain home, in a certain country, with a certain lineage, in a certain history. That's all important for this part of the human experience. If it weren't, it wouldn't have shown up that way. That's right. right? Yeah. And we are all ambassadors for our ourselves, for our families, for our people, for our country. And hopefully when we get beyond that, we realize we're all ambassadors for each other. Because when you go to the collective, again, it's all coming back to that place. So. None, none of, you know, I think a lot of people want to do spiritual bypassing where they just say, oh, you know, I, I'm going to disregard 
the stuff that shows up in my physical or material existence. But that's part of the spiritual experience is the physical existence. And, you know, your, your personal story is, is a beautiful part of the tapestry of reality of the cosmos. Right. Uh, so, you know, for me, uh, being born and raised uh, in a Jewish home, I mean, I owe all of my growth to the world that I come from, to uh, the part of me that resonated on such a deep spiritual level with this heritage. Maybe had I been born in another family, m- maybe I would have found this consciousness or maybe not. Maybe I had to go through this path where it's specifically through Torah and Kabbalah and Hasidus that I find this consciousness and now get to act as a voice for a higher order through my own tradition to help bridge these worlds with other worlds. So, you know, I just find the web just so amazing, the web of connections of all of us. And you were, it will just, I'd like to briefly touch on this because it's not the, the main theme of the show, but how can we not talk about the fact that you were in Israel on October 7th when the attacks from Hamas took place and you heard the explosions? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, I woke up that morning and went outside. It was the holiday that day. So I was on my way to the temple and I heard just these loud bangs, one after the other. Bang, bang. In the beginning, you think maybe it's a garbage truck or, you know, something's happening down the road. Uh, but by the third or fourth one, I knew that something big was happening. And it wasn't the first time I'd heard. I mean, I live in Israel. I've been there for the last 17 years. Uh, not the first time that I've heard explosions. Which is an interesting, as an American, by the way, when I go around America and I ask people, have you ever heard a bomb before? And it's almost like a joke, right? Of course I haven't. I'm not. Right? So that's rare, right? Most people haven't. Never have. Yeah. And it's a scary thing. You know, when you hear, um, when you hear the noise that loud or when you hear it coming down, right? The, yeah, that that, yeah. that sound before yeah. it hits, it is, um, it's chilling. It's chilling and... Uh, and in Israel, they have a siren system, so uh, you can have, depending on where you are, uh, where we live, we had 90 seconds, you know, to get to a safe room if you hear the siren. Um, but the siren itself is scary because it means something is coming, right? It means, yeah. you know, uh, you've got you've got about a minute to get yourself and get your family, make sure everyone is safe. And so that day was uh, solemn. Wouldn't even begin to describe. Uh, it was scary, yeah, frightening, anxiety-ridden. We also didn't know what had happened yet. You know, we were d- dancing. It was a holiday. There was like, we were all dancing in, in the temple when this had happened. And uh, and then it was siren after siren after siren after siren. And when we finally did find out, it's just, it was a week of collective mourning. Uh, just, I think, more, more sadness and grief than it was fear. Because first it was recognizing like, this happened. How could this happen in 2023? Right in the you know the twenty first century, and uh, just a painful, painful loss for for the people, for everyone that is impacted, and really for humanity. It was a really, really point, and then it went, and then it was processed. And that's where I'd like to go with this, based on the topic of this show, is that okay? Now the the aftermath and what we're, what is still going on now, and this show will be on the air for years now. But we've seen so much division that's surprising to many of us and uh, the reaction of people. And yet, there, this is such an opportunity because 
humans learn from trial and error and from our pain. So I would like to know how seeing things through the lens through which you see the world now has helped you and what advice you have for everybody as they look at the multitude of viewpoints that people are choosing now. Yeah. I think when we make life simple, it makes life better. We tend to overcomplicate things. Murder is bad. Kidnapping is bad. War is bad. That's not what we are looking to experience as a collective ever. It's not what we're trying to do. And at, in that same breath, the the world today is, in my opinion, significantly better than it's ever been. I believe we're living in the best time in human history. Well, I hope so because we're supposed to be evolving ever onward, ever upward. Yeah, it, well, exactly. And I know a lot of people have a feeling of doom and gloom. And they get caught up in a world of social media and a world of the news. And it doesn't matter if you listen to, you know, a Fox or a CNN, you know, whether it's, you know, projecting one story or the other story more. Uh, there's just a lot of negativity that is being filtered into the, you know, human ecosystem in terms of what we're digesting with our minds. Uh, but the truth is, when we take a really big general look at reality, life is evolving so beautifully over the last, even, even just the last 5,000 years when we go back to kind of what the beginnings of language when we see it and everything that's happened since in just the last 1,000 years, then you go to the last 500 years, then you look at the last 100 years, things have, have looked better. Now we have more power than we've ever had before in terms of what we can do to the world and what we can do to the earth. And so we, we do run on some level maybe bigger risks, but the rewards have been better all throughout history, it's almost like I think about, um, you know, in like the stock market, it, the, they always say the market's going up, even if it has, you know, you know, hills and valleys right along the way. So we're not in a perfect uh, reality where nothing goes wrong and that humans don't make choices that have repercussions. We're not we're not living there, but we're living in a very good place. And there's more opportunity today than ever before to, as you said before, make the right choices. We can, we can change the way we think, we can change the way we see. You know, peaceful people do peaceful things. Angry people do angry things. Violent people do violent things. This is not a religious idea. This is not a nationalistic idea. This is just a human idea. When we are in line and in touch with the peace within, with the joy within, with the love within, with the God within, when we are there, that the person we become and express. And so therefore, what we really want can't change nations or countries. There's no, there's no such, even the idea of a nation on some level is a myth because it's really just made up of many individuals. It's when individuals change that we change reality. And so we need collective shifts on the individual level where people decide, well, I want to live in the light. I want to live in that space. I want to live. And everybody in the light. who's listening and tuning in and giving your time to this right now are doing that. That's yes. what I want you all to know. Yes, anybody who's listening to you and to to all these amazing teachers who are sharing uh, the ideas of light, of love, of connection, of uh, mental well-being, of spiritual health, of emotional health, of physical health, of trying to live a more healthy life in that way, that that is what helps change the planet, and 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 believe we're doing so. And yes, there's been incredible technological advances along the way, and we're so grateful for that because. 
with with the technological advance, we also have advance in medicine. We also advance in communication. Yeah, but you know, now I think I just read somewhere that there's a, a phone that's coming out where uh, you can speak into it in one language right through the app, and then it will translate it instantly on the other side to any language you're speaking to. And just imagine the kind of communication that we're going to have to to bridge boundaries, right? To bring people together. Uh, so when when you're talking about tie it back to your original question, which is you know how do we relate to what's going on in the world now based on what's taking place in Israel and the conflict. And you and I and everyone listening, we all know this is an old story. This is an old story. This, this, this didn't start on October 7th and it didn't start in 1948. It, it, you know, this, people have been fighting for a long time. Israel has been a place of conflict for thousands of years. This is a, uh, this is an old story in new clothing. It- May I, may I just say this statement that this just has to come out since you've been talking, and, and it's the one that I try to teach all the time. If we knew, if we truly knew who we are at our as our essential self, we could not hurt another. Yes. So we're witnessing ignorance everywhere. No sides, just plain ignorance from anybody that even wants to hurt anybody else on any side. Yes. Yes. And that's, you know, this line, forgive them where they know not what they do. Right. I mean, that is, that, that is the unfortunate, you can use the word unfortunate here, the unfortunate reality on the ground, whatever you see, violence and hate. Right. And there is, there's, a, there's still quite a lot of that on our planet. We're still working through that. You see it now, you know, as somebody, like you said, who's wearing something on his head and you walk around the streets, you know, you think twice, people have made comments to me, right. I stand out and if, if someone has hate in their heart, they don't they don't mind saying things right to you. And we have to be able how, to- how do you respond to that, Moshe? You personally, how do you respond to that? You know what? Being the spiritual teacher who you are, I would love to hear your reaction. Yeah. Usually they're not a person who can hear, so I'll just kind of nod, give them my nod and keep walking. There's not there's no conversation that's really happening. So you mean they can physically hear you, but you know they won't hear you oh right? yeah 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 absolutely uh but if it's somebody who wants to have a conversation sometimes i'll get people who they just want to talk about what's going on and maybe they had a leaning on the inside but they're but i don't feel the hate right when when somebody comes with uh vitriol and there's some there's uh negative energy that's coming from them all you can do is uh be the space for them and god forbid if, if, if it feels violent then you can get out of that space and, and try to move away from there. But a conversation in that space is, is significantly more challenging and you put yourself at, at a greater risk. Uh, but for the average person, and I think the average person isn't walking around with hate to either side. I think the average person is walking around trying to live life and just trying to be there. But it's still confusing and there are a lot of questions. And that's that's the important space for dialogue. You know, there's always the you know, I don't know if it's five or ten percent, but there's the top few percent, and then there's the bottom few percent. You know, on one side, everyone's opinionated in one direction; on the other side, everyone's opinionated in the other other direction. And it's it's two versions of hate. Uh, and then there's most everybody else, which is in the middle. Which you know, the word you used was ignorance. Um, if if we end up in a place where there's fighting and there's violence, there there is ignorance in one form of another. The situation is. On the one hand, very simple. Murder is bad. Kidnapping's bad. We have to call evil when we see it so we can stop it, right? That's, 
you know, the reason why we're living in a better generation today than all the generations before is because at some point in America, they woke up and said, hey, you know, slavery is a problem, <laughs> right? You have to call out the problem and say, we can't do this anymore. At some point in America, um, and really all over the world, uh, there was a time for most of human history, women weren't getting education. That wasn't part of the system, right? They, they were at home at some point. There was a collective awakening. We said, wait a second, everybody should get education, right? That's a problem. So it's the same thing here. We have to wake up as a as a humanity and point and say, there's an issue here, right? Well, we need to to end the the problem of of the hate, of the violence, of the you know barbarism. All, and all no the problem was solved at the level at which it originated, and the, the solution is shifting above our human side to the soul. It's the only way. Yeah. It's the That's only way. And it does. You see the problem, and then you have to rise up to something deeper. If we could have solved it from the mind of the problem, it wouldn't still be there. And so when we make that shift, coming back to what we spoke about before, when you, you and I, and when you, the listener, uh, whoever's tuning in right now, when you make the decision to be kinder, more peaceful, more loving, not to the whole planet, just to the person that you're with <laughs> and to yourself, when you live in that space, you change the world. And guess what? Now you become a channel for, for new ideas, for insights, for creativity, for, for a new light to come through you. And maybe it's just a, a single word that you say to someone, maybe it's a smile, maybe it's a hug, uh, whatever it is that comes through. We don't realize how powerful we are to do that. And uh, the energy of, of light and goodness and positivity is significantly more powerful in the dark. Yes, indeed. Being the present of peace, even when those around you are falling into human ways of conversing and interacting, be the presence of peace and hold that. That's what you were talking about, holding sacred space with yes. something in your face. Yes. Well, that's, when, that's a skill that we learn. When you light a candle in a dark room, the room is lit. You don't need many. Just one is enough to, to open up all the darkness, all the space. And if we add more candles, so then all of a sudden you're in a lit room. Uh, but one is enough to dispel much darkness. Wow. So I said at the beginning, we weren't going to talk too much about this, but it had to be talked about clearly. Beautiful. In fact, we're going to bump this up in the order of podcasts that we do. Make this one sooner rather than later. Thank you for that. Wisdom. So before we run out of time, I, I thought most of the show was going to be about your latest book, so we better talk about it. Uh, the Three Conditions, How Intention, Certainty, and Joy Will Supercharge Your Life. Take it away, Moshe. Where do you want to go with this? Well, I try to put the depth of whatever work I'm working on into the title. Ideally, I'd like someone to be able to pick something up. And even if all they read was the title, they'd have a good idea of where they're going. And so what the three conditions are, are the pathway by which one can live, what here I'm calling a supercharged life, and why the word supercharged to me feels like when you are plugged in, when you're electrified, when you're living at a higher frequency than you will be for that's probably why the goosebumps won't stop. You're supercharged and you're supercharging us. It is, a, uh, it is an amazing way. You know, everybody shows up on this earth, you know, with, with or without their knowledge, their human knowledge, at least that is. And then at some point we check out. And then there's the life we live along the way. 
right? It's how we get from the beginning to the end, the dash on the tombstone, right? How did we live that space oh, while we're here? I love that. Right? That is that's that, our life, the dash. That's our whole life. It's the dash. Our life is the dash. Um, okay. I tell people all the time, like, our life is the meantime. We always wonder, what are we going to do in the meantime? Well, our life is the meantime. Uh, right? That's what we're doing here because where we come from and where we go, that's something that's something else altogether. But here's the gift. The gift of this life is what we do and how are we going to go through it? And you can go through it on one level or we can go through it at a different level. At a, at a, we can use the word higher or inner or more alivened life experience. And how do you get that? And what do you gain by doing that? Well, what you gain are both the psychological and spiritual effects of living at that space of love and joy and peace and higher consciousness. And psychologically, what you're going to get is uh, a better worldview, more resilience, more confidence, more uh, better behaviors. The behaviors you want to elicit, your relationships are going to look better. Everything is, is better when you, you think about it for a moment. How do you respond to a hard situation when you feel good? And how do you respond to a hard situation when you're already frustrated right? or when you're already sad? They're, they're completely different responses. We, we, we act and behave as a reflection of our state of consciousness, always. That is a, um, a pervasive part of our human experience. So psychologically, we get that shift when we're living supercharged. And then there's the spiritual or energetic gifts of living in that space. And that has to do with what we're attracting in our lives, the people that show up in our lives, the events that show up in our lives, the places we happen to be there at the right time or the right place. And again, now you bridge those two worlds together. And because psychologically, you're looking at what we would call the bright side. So you're seeing life as an opportunity. You're seeing life as uh, lessons to be learned and uh, pathways to be trod, right? Like we're, you're out there to experience and it, you know, some people think they're those are the lucky ones, but it's not that some people are lucky, it's that some people are looking, right? They're paying attention and they're paying attention because they're plugged in into that space. So that's what we're looking for. And then what those three conditions are, what I'm calling here intention, certainty, and joy, uh, those are code words for intention is who are we really? What is our true intention for this reality when you connect to the soul of your being? And our true intention for this world is to love and be loved, right? To create, to be the created and create, to to channel that higher self. And that's our true intention. So it's realigning with the goodness and power that we are. Certainty is when you take the lens off of you and you look at everything that's not you. When I say everything that's not you, I mean everything that's not you, right? So from from the clothes on your body to every experience you have and every person you meet, all the places you'll go, right? Those are all the things outside of you. And do you see them as part of a loving, guiding, supporting universe? Or is it ambivalent? Or is it against you? the truth is uh, life's not happening to you. Life's happening for you, right? Life is the gift that continues to help us individually evolve in that oh, way. Why do I call that? What's the certainty? Yes, and that's, that's exactly where I was going. And why I call that certainty is because it's not certain about an outcome. It's certain about a process. That life, I'm certain that the process of life is moving in the direction of my own personal and the collective evolution towards good, towards love, towards purpose, with intention, right? So that is the underlying certainty of this world is I don't know what's going to happen on the surface, but I'm certain about what's underneath. 
I'm certain about the direction. I'm certain about where this is going. I'm with you. <laughs> and by leaning into that, um, very simple language would be, I'm good, life's good. Right? Again, I just have to tell everybody, if you read a page a day of his book to, to help you gain this certainty, at the same time that you read the news every day, something like that, to counterbalance this negativity that the media throws at us, you'll be heading in the right direction instead of the wrong direction. Okay. That's kind of you. <laughs> I'm serious. I mean, this is what we have to do to counteract a human behavior around us. We have to come at this from the soul's perspective, from the higher side. Yes. And so when we reconnect that place within and that place that surrounds us, we can know that we're living in that space based on our sense of joy. The litmus test. Yes. It's the measuring stick by which we can say, oh, am I in alignment with this truth? Because if I'm not feeling good right now in my body, I'm really not feeling that connection. So my my perception either of who I am or what life is, is skewed, right? And so by by realigning in one of those two areas, you bring yourself back into that place to connect to sense and check into how you're experiencing virtual Have you noticed that no matter how hard you try to release attachments, heal traumas, and change your life, you still feel as if you don't belong? There is a reason and a solution for this. Join award-winning actor, comedian, and best-selling author Kyle Cease and learn how to immerse yourself in a new way of being at From Lonely to Free, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute in Rhinebeck, New York. Learn more at eomega.org slash thrive. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So that, that's like a nice good summary of what it is that we're speaking about in the book. So it's about helping us connect back to the truth of who we are, awaken to that space, awaken to the truth of what life is, know that joy is our nature. And if we're not feeling that, that means we're out of touch with our nature, out of touch with our natural experience, what life is about. And then once we're in that super, supercharged state, we have to realize we're co-creators in this universe. We're making a beautiful reality. Absolutely. So you provide guidance on how to get back in alignment or is it all just reading is there are there practices and such yeah there are there's quite a lot of uh, practice i try to structure the book as it, the chapters go concept and then practical application concept practical application it, it kind of it leads back and forth uh one of the ones that i think are just very important uh, there's a concept in francidus uh I'll tell you the Hebrew and then I'll, I'll translate it for you. It's called Abdullah, Abdullah, And what that translates to, listen to is to separate from or unblend, to surrender or release, and to integrate or sweeten. And that's a three step process in how to actually deal with our emotions when we find ourselves dissonant from the 
higher self that we want to experience. That first step of unblending is actually becoming a witness to the emotion, right? Taking that step back, coming conscious, that mindful step where we awaken to, okay, I'm having this feeling of anger here. I feel it in my chest. I can experience it here. Or maybe I feel it in my abdomen. And just becoming the witness of that. And that already does a tremendous amount. Right? As opposed to I am angry, there is anger in me. There's a major shift in terms of who you are and what's happening within. And then that second stage is about acceptance, surrender, release. And what that what that step is about is actually moving away from our natural tendency, which is to resist any negativity, uh, but to actually allow it to be there. And whether that's mentally or verbally expressing that, it, it's coming into an okayness with the experience. It's really allowing and surrendering to, yeah, okay, I'm feeling this way right now. And that's okay. I don't have to fight this anymore. This is, this is, it's really becoming present with what's taking place. And then that third step of reintegration or sweeping, as the language implies, is really about being able to go in now and say, okay, well, if this came up for me, it came up for me for a reason, right? So whatever experience I'm having on the inside is showing up to teach me something or to keep me safe or because it thinks I'm going to be happier if I have this emotion within me right now. Uh, and then to be able to express gratitude and appreciation for that space. Uh, the, the hidden step is if a person wants to open logic, you can then ask for guidance and clarity now that you're there. Well, how do I get to where I want to be? Right? Where? What are you trying to get? What are you trying to build? So, for me, that's one of the work. It's a it's a key teaching that no matter who you are and where you're from, you know, when we become mindful of that inner space, you don't have to be able to give an answer, a rational answer for why something's happening on the outside. Uh, but we are able to go on the inside and deal with how we're experiencing reality. You know, the other day I was running a convention. I'm not running the convention or at a convention speaking. And uh, a person came over to me and they were talking to me about the challenge that they were having with their spouse and saying how, you know, he's angry all the time and he's frustrated about this particular thing. He said, but I know that I'm supposed to be better. And I know that I'm supposed to be kind and I know that I'm supposed to be good. And, uh, and then that frustrates me even more because I'm not. And I'm having all these reactive, you know, pieces. And he just kept going back and forth. So I'm angry about all this, but I know that I should be better. And that makes me angry because I really should be better. But I'm really angry about all this. And, you know, the more he spoke, I could see him getting animated and frustrated with, with himself, even as he was speaking. And I looked at him and I said, well, do you understand why you're angry? He said, of course, I understand why I'm angry. I just told you. I said, does it make sense why you're angry? He says, of course, it makes sense. Didn't you hear me? I just told you she's doing this, that and the other. I said, so if you understand why you're angry and it makes sense that you're angry, should you should you be angry? And he said, no, I shouldn't be angry. I should be somewhere else. I should be better. And I said, but but you understand why you, you have a, something in your mind that's telling you that you should be angry, but you're, you haven't yet accepted that point. And I asked him, can you say I should be angry? And he said, but I'm not. I said, can you say the words? And he said, yes. I said, say them. He said I understand why I'm angry. I should be angry. They said, and how do you feel? Better. <laughs> <laughs> and it's that that point, that shift of first, we have to fully embrace and accept where we are 
no matter what's going on. Are you frustrated about what's going on in Israel? Yeah. So start with that. That's the starting point. It's like, well, this is what's happening for me right now or for, for anybody. You're, you're frustrated by something that's going on at work, something with uh, your relationship, something going on with your kids. First, we have to honor what's happening. And, and then we can talk about where we go from there, right? Presence is the key. Presence is always going to open itself to the truth of what's really happening underneath. That's, that's one of our your teaching factors. Beautiful. No matter where we are, always important. And we could well, we could just dive into this. I could go all day because these are universal things. We're, we're going from war to family battles, and this is the human condition. And yet the solutions result when exactly as you said, you, you, you step back and get that perspective and allow and acknowledge. And now from that higher perspective, and that is the soul's perspective, you can go back in it and take the insights that you get. So thank you for allowing us this space in which to learn that, to talk about that. You, you started off saying how the, uh, seven years after you left the rock band, you were you realized you'd learned a lot, but you were feeling empty. And on my website, uh, one of my goals is to help people go from an emptiness that can't be filled to a fullness that can't be contained. Have you found that fullness? Have you found that fullness? Oh, yeah. I feel blessed every day, every single day. The fullness is always there. It's about tuning in. It's, 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 a, it's a rediscovery. What, tell people what you, we, all of us are tuning into as we wrap this up what we'd like to be tuning into in and the what we are tuning into when you say you found the fullness mm, because what you're yeah. tuning into yeah it, it's the what what i continue to refer to as the truth of who we are capital t the truth it's the the, the essence it's that soul space it's the goodness that pervades our reality that gets lost in translation at, at times but is always there and whether we call that our soul or our consciousness or our spirit, well, God, the fullness that is there is the fullness of capital S self, capital T truth. Right? It's the fullness that is beyond the ego, which convinces us that we need to have something, do something, eat somewhere, do anything. But what we really need is just to connect to our essential being, the timeless presence that's been with us, that while that we were born, or we were best beyond. Beautiful. Yeah, I got snagged when you said, though, that the truth of who we are gets lost in translation. And I went back to the, the example you gave me about technology, how we're going to talk into the phone and say one thing, and it's going to come out another way on the other end of the phone. But what you just described to us is, is beyond words and won't, doesn't need translation. Yeah. And the doubt says the doubt that can be named is not the doubt, right? There's, a, uh, there's an idea that the moment you try to trap it in words, you're already losing it. And yet we still need to speak about it. So we talk around it and we talk about it. And those who know, know. And those who know when they are with others who know, they see and they feel and they sense. And we walk in the direction of that knowing. And we walk together. We do. And that's why we're so happy to, for this community, the, the Messages of Hope podcast community, the Awaken Way community. We walk with you and you recognize truth when you hear it, when you see it in each other. And that's why you keep coming back and we appreciate you. And we want you to share what you know with others. And in that way, just like Moshe said, 
you're that light in the room, in the darkness. One candle makes a difference. Every one of you matters. So thank you so much, Moshe, for joining us. It was just a beautiful, beautiful time together. Uh, the pleasure is mine. Thank you so much for being such a light in the world. Such a gift. Yeah. It's all a blessing. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you back next week for another episode of Messages of Hope. I'm Rachel Corpus, an angel communicator, psychic medium, and host of the Angel Talk podcast. This show is meant to help you remember who you are, a limitless being with shoes and socks on. And along the way, we'll connect to people on the other side and experts in the field like authors, healers, animal communicators, and more. Listen to all my shows at Mind Body Spirit FM or wherever you get your podcasts.